Hey folks, in this episode, we're gonna be tackling some of the most popular photo and video questions from somebody at the center of all this, Tahiti Abdul from MPB. This is Twit. Hey, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. I've got Tahiti Abdul on the hot seat here. She's from MPB, who's a sponsor of This Week in Photo. And we're gonna be talking about some of the most popular trends that she's seen that are coming through the market and what people are renting, or no, what people are exchanging their gear for. What are they buying? What are they not buying? What should you be considering when you're looking at upgrading your camera or other gear to the next level? Tahiti, welcome to This Week in Photo. How's it going? Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. This is going to be a good conversation. You and I were just chatting a little bit in the green room about, you know, kind of how we'd approach this interview. There's so much to talk about. Um, but before we do that, before we dive in, people may have been hearing at the top and the tail of all of the many of the TWIP episodes over the last couple of weeks or months here, the MPB advertisement. So MPB is a sponsor of This Week in Photo. Uh, I wanted to have you on to kind of explain a little bit about what MPB is and what they do, because they're they're kind of a they're one of the most important companies that are out there for photographers, but not a whole lot of photographers know about them. They're like a, a, a really well-kept secret, but they should not be a secret, which is why we're doing all this stuff. So explain what MPB does and why photographers should be taking a look at the site. Yeah, for sure. So MPB is the platform to buy, sell, and trade, use photo and video equipment, which includes camera bodies, lenses, and accessories. Uh, we are committed to making kit more accessible and affordable and doing it in a more sustainable way. Um, we're a global company. We're based in Brooklyn, Brighton, and Berlin, which are very big um, communities for uh, creatives. Uh, our team includes trained camera experts, seasoned photographers, videographers. Um, each piece of kit that enters our facility is carefully inspected by our product specialists. Um, it includes six months warranties and also two week return windows. So we genuinely care about making kit accessible to creatives on all sorts of levels and across three really amazing markets. That's perfect. That's perfect. Okay. So just to get this straight, because I, you know, I have a, I have to ask a selfish question because it's all about me, right? So, of course. Of course. You know, so if I hypothetically, if I'm someone who has a bunch of gear that I've accumulated over the years and a lot of it's sitting in drawers, you know, lenses that I haven't shot with in years and camera bodies that mock me because they're depreciating every time I look at them, should I correct me if this is the is the right the right perspective to be looking at MPB. I look at MPB as kind of they they end the idea of the one-way street with your gear. In other words, it used to be you buy gear and you, okay, I got that forever and maybe I'll give it to my kid or my nephew or somebody down the line, but this is an investment that I'm gonna own for a long time and suffer the depreciation because you know it's gonna be with me for the long haul. I look at MPB as the breaking that, shattering that myth, and now it doesn't have to be like, okay, that, that gear is gonna sit in the drawer. I can now harvest that gear and, you know, kind of melt it down into cash and get something that's more current or that's more fitting with my current, you know, tangent of photography. Is that is that an accurate way to look at the company? That is an extremely accurate way to look at the company. Um, gone are the days of feeling like you are stuck with, you know, your kit forever. Um, not only can you, you know, send it all in to get cash, you can also send it all in to to get something that we might have um, in stock that, you know, you might want to add to your kit or the kit that you're not getting rid of. Um, you know, I think the the one of the biggest struggles for a lot of artists is finding kit affordable, being able to, you know, have different lenses and other accessories at your disposal. And I think MPB has made it extremely more accessible than it's been in the past. As someone who started photography in the early 2000s, um, you know, 
getting a new lens was like a really, really big deal because of yeah. the limited options you had to buy things, you know, secondhand. It just weren't that many options. So everything came brand new out of a box. But I feel like those days are really, really numbered. Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. And with it's just it seems like the, the MPB company is there at the right time because you look at the the glitzy and polished marketing for every new camera that comes out and it seems like a new one's coming out like every month or every other month and new lenses and new everything. There's all this stuff. And I can see from a from a beginner's perspective, it could be it's confusing. And what I've seen on This Week in Photo, like interviewing photographers and talking to photography enthusiasts is the flow tends to be okay, I'm into, I'm into photography. Uh, what kind of, what's, what's my genre? Okay. I like landscape photography. Let me find landscape photography tutorials or people that I admire on YouTube or something and then buy what they got. <laughs> right? right. That's the, instead of, you know, it's the path of, of affinity versus research. It's like, okay, I like that. And Joe McNally shoots Nikon. I'm going to shoot Nikon and I'm going to get the the lenses and the strobes that Joe shoots with. But then the next step is how to get all that stuff. So right. to switch gears a little bit into, in, and I don't want to make this all about MPB, but I, I genuinely have questions because <laughs> I have a box of gear that I'm about to send in. <laughs> so, so, you know, what does that flow look like? Now, I've sold, I've sold uh, I think, two camera bodies, or I've sent two camera bodies into MPB, and I was really impressed with the experience. It was seamless. It was easy. The money showed up in my account, and I was like, holy crap. Um, but what is it, behind the scenes, what does it look like? Once I go ahead and I drop that box off at FedEx, and you guys get that box, what's happening? In my head, I see a white room with people in white bunny suits with white gloves, carefully opening my box with a super sharp knife and opening it up and taking out the precious cargo and then looking at it with a microscope and all that. Is that kind of what happens or is it is it a little less dramatic than that? It's it's a little less dramatic. However, <laughs> um, the, the individuals that are responsible for ensuring that everything that, you know, enters and exits the building is in perfectly, you know, good working order and that we're, you know, making sure that customers are getting things that are completely, you know, intact and mm -hmm. accurate to the descriptions that are on our website. Um, all of our, for the most part, all of our staffs are creative. So that is the kind of the, the additional sort of um, thing that makes MPB so unique is that everyone there is a creative and in their own capacity. So they're extremely passionate about making sure that, you know, other people who are buying things from us are likely other creatives. So that just makes the job all that more fulfilling. So um, what usually happens is, you know, every day we get in, um, you know, tons of equipment, the process usually looks like the items end up on a desk, essentially. Um, it's carefully inspected through a chain of sort of like processes that we have in place just to ensure that each item, the quality control is, you know, up to par. And mm -hmm. then these items make their way um, into our lovely warehouse uh, and then and then, you know, they end up on the doorsteps of, of everyone else. Um, the next person. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but but yeah, the, the process is all is ultimately pretty seamless. And that and that's what, um, you know, allows us to have such a, a quick turnaround with with, you know, processing all of the different equipment that comes into the to the warehouse and same same thing goes for the video equipment too, not just, um, you know, photo. Um, our our video um, checking process is a, is slightly more detailed just because video equipment tends to be on the much higher inside of things. Mm -hmm. But we do have a dedicated video specialist that is evaluating all of the cinematography gear that comes into the warehouse. So we are very meticulous. And and the thing is, the the very unique part of it all is that the the individual that is the video specialist is a videographer. So that just makes everything just, just flow in a, in a much more organic um, way. And yeah. people, and we can actually speak to, you know, the quality 
that comes out of our warehouse. Love it. What's in that warehouse, Tahiti? Is it, is it, is it just, does it still cameras and cameras or do we have cameras, drones, 360 cameras, lighting, all that stuff, or are you strictly we, cameras, cameras? No, we, we have it all. We, we have everything from video equipment to cameras, um, you know, photo- just still photography cameras and video. Yeah. Um, we have drones, we have, uh, Ari kits, uh, red cameras, wow. uh, 360 cameras, GoPros, uh, you know, lighting, pro photo lighting. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. We, okay. we, we, we have, I feel like we cover most of the, of the, uh, of the basis when it comes to what, you know, creatives need and what they're looking for. Love it. Love it. Okay. So let's switch gears. Let's talk about some of the more popular things that you've seen kind of come through that warehouse. And let's look at, look at it through the several different lenses. The first lens would be the portrait photographer, right? So the, obviously, or maybe not obviously, but there's no one right lens for portrait photography, but is there a popular lens for portrait photography that you've seen kind of coming through over your desk? Oh yeah. Um, it's it's so hard to narrow it down to one, but I feel like the just the the number one that just never seems to fail is the eighty five millimeter easily, um, mm-hmm. just because the the depth of field you get the the ability to just like really frame your your you know your portraiture and your your subject it it is just like in this it's almost an, it's an essential piece of kit to have like. Yep. Even if you don't specifically shoot portraiture, it is just an amazing, you know, prime lens for distance. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. I have a 85, I forget what it is. I think it's a 1.4, but it's a Sigma. Um, and I love, I, I interviewed the Sigma people on, on the show a couple of weeks or about a month or so ago. And I learned so much about Sigma and I, I would love for you to weigh in on this because when I went into that interview, I was, you know, I had no ill will towards Sigma or anything. It was like, okay, Sigma, third-party lens manufacturer, but I'm a purist. I'm always going to buy the lenses from the manufacturer of the camera that I'm making because why not? They they should know the glass better. Um, I learned that that's not necessarily true, right? <laughs> so Absolutely. especially Absolutely. when you're you're factoring math of budget and all that stuff into the equation, it kind of changes the physics. So I learned that Sigma lenses are some of my favorite lenses now just the way that they're built and the fit and finish and then understanding some of the story behind how those lenses are created and were crafted in the history of the company have you seen that as well i mean do you see when when people are exchanging gear are are there any trends that you can reveal of yeah we see a lot of oem glass coming in and a lot of third-party glass going out or vice versa or is it kind of a net zero in the middle I, I definitely feel like a lot of people are beginning to embrace third-party glass a lot more, uh, especially along the lines of uh, like Voigtlander, Sigma. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think people are realizing that, hey, you know what? I don't have to spend nearly as much money to get the quality out of the images that I'm looking for, um, you know, with, you know, the dedicated manufacturer's uh, lenses. Mm-hmm. I personally think that cinema glass is amazing i love it um it actually is my preferred glass to shoot when i'm working Mm -hmm. with a dslr camera um however yeah i i think there there is i feel like it's it's sort of it's sort of equal we definitely we definitely still get in and sell a lot of um you know canon nikon sony um just because i think people are still very dedicated to to the brands that they buy into and i and i think that's what it is a lot of people have really strong brand loyalty so they like to keep it consistent however there are people who just like to have very expansive kits so they'll incorporate you know the 135 prime lens from sigma or they'll you know they'll want to have like the voigtlander lens or a zeiss lens like people are I, i definitely think are open to to 
to third-party glass a lot more these days. Yeah, yeah, these days, because back in the day, back in the film days, I remember it, it was very much the, okay, you get third part of your lenses if you can't afford the real thing, right? That's That was the kind of sentiment was, you know, oh, you can't, you couldn't get the real 85, oh, so you got that one, and now, you know, maybe well, one day you'll be able to save up and afford the real glass. And it is not that at all. These lenses, those Sigma lenses are just, they're tools. I mean, it is well-built, well-crafted and smooth, you know, focus rings, yeah. the whole nine yard is brilliant and a better in some ways, I would argue, than uh, some of the OEM glass I have. Um, yeah. And a lot of people used to think that, oh, buying third party means that I'm compromising quality. And that is just really not the case at all, yeah. because I have seen Sigma glass perform in ways that I have never seen, um, you know, dedicated like you know brand glasses ever mm -hmm. yeah so that's why I, I i advocate heavily for people to buy third party if, if you know if they can if they yeah. want to yeah yeah no no absolutely and the, i think the point there is there's choice right there's you don't have to limit yourself down to this one road there's another road with other options on it that you could possibly take depending on where your your destination is to continue that analogy um you know what the uh, the other piece just to close that that off the other thing that I learned was you know part of the sentiment back in the day was primes over zoom right and it was and I and I still kind of fall into this I think I will forever it's like primes are going to be just are going to be sharper than zoom but I think the delta between that make in that statement is thinner than ever before you know a zoom lens of of 1985 versus a zoom lens of 2021 is going to be markedly different do you do you disagree with that or should photographers still be limiting themselves to primes for portraiture and then zooms only if you have to that was the sentiment back in the day i think having one really really great zoom lens in your kit is essential i i am a person who prefers all prime glass however mm -hmm. You can absolutely never go wrong having a 24-70 in your kit because it it covers so much in between a lot of focal lengths. And like if you're a person who sometimes, you know, the jobs you, you book or the clients you work with, the, you know, the situations may constantly be varying. It's always good to just have that option. Um, or if you don't want to constantly swap between prime lens you could just put on a 24 to 70 and then you have like the basics of wide angle, you know, a 35, a 50, and then the, the longer focal length of a 70, but not quite an 85 yet. So that would be the only instance where I could see like myself taking the zoom lens off is if I need to shoot even longer than that. But I love a great 24 to 70 to eight. Like I just, I just feel like it's, it's, amazing especially if you do event photography if you do wedding photography it's it, it's such a great versatile like just all around lens to have well speaking speaking of all around lenses what's a good what's a good rule of thumb for the all around kit right and of course budgets notwithstanding uh you know it used to be the holy trinity of lenses right what what was it 14 to 24 24 to 70 and then the 7200 and then if yeah. you could swing it an 85 and a 50 in the bag and you're pretty much good for most situations aside from specialty things where you might need a fisheye or something crazy like that which you could rent do you is right. it still that holy trinity with those two extra lenses or is there a different config that would make up kind of that quote ideal photographer's generalist kit i feel like that that is still pretty much the go-to um you know if you don't if you don't mind having such an array of lenses and in, in in weight kit, it, it, exactly exactly and i know that that's a big factor and that's why i'm kind of of the opinion that team zoom lens is always great just because you know you may not want to carry your entire kit you know, with you at one time. Um, but I'm of the opinion that, you know, you just really have to examine, you know, what, what, what are you really shooting a lot of and what is a necessity like for you? Um, mm -hmm. That's how I usually break it down because, you know, if it was up to me, I would have 
every single lens available at every single focal length if if I could, but yeah. I can't. Yeah. So like you just really have to take inventory of like what, what do I need? You know, like what what does my you know sort of style and you genre know, approach right. to, exactly and like the genre that you shoot i feel like it's it's heavily dependent on your genre of photography yeah for most wedding photographers i know they have almost every focal length you can think of just because the situations for for those types of events are constantly changing and evolving so yeah. you know they need to have all the bases covered um and they're generating revenue exactly right? Ex yeah. exactly it's it's a big deal Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you just need to make sure that like all your T's are crossed and all your I's are dotted. Like you mm -hmm. just can't risk not having the right focal length. So yeah. what's the, uh, here, here's a hypothetical. You're, you need uh -oh. to go to Tahiti <laughs> for, <laughs> for three months. Right. And there's no camera stores there, nothing. And you're not exactly sure what you're going to be shooting there. You may have to do a wedding or something there. You may want to do some landscape stuff. You may want to do some aerials, you know, of the area or whatever your, your particular genre is. What is in your bag? What do you what are you bringing with you? So what's going to be in my bag is a Mavic Pro. Ooh. A, a point and shoot. Mm hmm. And the DSLR potential potentially because I'm 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 still team DSLR even though there's a lot of there's you know mirrorless takeover right now but it is. I'm a DSLR I'm, I'm a traditionalist I would have a DSLR in me preferably <laughs> if you're a canon. real traditionalist you'd be carrying a bag of film I'm just saying <laughs> so I actually like in my professional career I only shoot film. So that's the funny part. There you go. Uh, Look at that. You're yeah, a walking yeah. contradiction then. Look at that. I am a walking contradiction. <laughs> but if NPB were supplying me with this three months worth of kit yep. for me for me to take to the island of Tahiti, I would have my Mavic. I would have a point and shoot, preferably a Rico GR two. Um and I would have a Canon 5D Mark IV with a 24 to 70, a 70 to 200, and a 50 millimeter. That is my kit. Oh, nice. No 85, huh? So no portraiture. You know why? Because that 70 to 200 will cover that 85 millimeter focal length if I need it. And you and you gain on losing that that heft that you'd have to carry around with that lens. Yeah, that makes sense. Look at that. Okay. You, you know what? I'll sacrifice the additional weight to have the seventy to two hundred because when you're shooting on like you know like destination places like that islands, you just you always just want to have more just in case. Yeah. So it's it's worth that little bit of weight. And plus, if I brought my RZ with me. It would just, it would be the same amount of weight, maybe more. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you got to talk about that RZ because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan of medium. Um, all right. So, let's, God, I want to ask you about the Rico and all that. We're running out of time. Um, you mentioned the travel that, that, that Rico, right? So, the, that's, is yeah. that your go to for travel? If you had, if you were same, a slightly different hypothetical, you're on a desert island, you could only have one thing with you. Is it going to be that Rico? It's not going to be the Rico. Ooh. If if uh, see that changes because you know the five D was going to make up for all of the things that the Rico just couldn't do because mm -hmm. it's just it's not it doesn't have interchangeable lenses. Yep. But if I'm stuck with one camera that just can do it all for me, I'm taking that Fuji Film X one hundred B easily. Oh, yeah. That is all I'm taking with me. It can fit in my pocket, a wrist strap. You can charge it using USB-C. You don't need a wall outlet. You can charge it with your laptop, you know, a portable charger. It's just like convenience to the max Wi-Fi capability from my from the camera straight to the phone. I just can't think of a, a more reliable camera system, a better lens that's, you know, fixed to the body. It just it, it is the perfect uh, point and shoot camera. Oh, perfect. See, now you're making me want to go get one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just did a review. I just did a review. I took it to Joshua Tree and I did a review for on um, MPB um, 
which people can check out. But I did a, a full review of the um, X100V and why it is my favorite uh, point and shoot camera. Okay, I'm gonna link to that in the in the show notes after I read it, of course. So thank you, thank you. For, see, I was gonna say thank you for spending my money, but it's like more of hmm, thank you for for uh, allotting some of the revenue that I'm gonna generate for trading in my other gear. Right? So honestly, if you get your hands on that camera, you will see why I think it is absolutely spectacular. Wow. Okay. All right. I will. I will give you a full report after I get my hands on it. Um, what about budget kits, right? So photographers that are, yeah, I want to get into this, but Hey, I got a grand or 800 bucks, or I don't have that much to spend. And, uh, I've been told I'm a good photographer because I make great iPhone shots and I've been posting to Instagram. Now I want to take it up a level, but I only got a thousand dollars to spend. What, what direction would you point them in? Um, so the, fir the first rule of thumb for me is to look at brands that are releasing a lot of new cameras a lot of newer technology because chances are those previous models are super down in price are way more affordable than they used to be and will likely still have a lot of the same features that the newer model has so that's always the first area that i like to sort of examine and, and look at like sony just continuously it seems like almost every year they have a new version of like you know, an A7 camera or the A6000 series, they just always have like a lot of newer things. But I would honestly go for maybe uh, the like the higher end, um, like t the higher end models of lower tier sort of categories. Mm -hmm. So like I just said how, you know, Sony has the A7s and, you know, the A9s there's also the a6000 series um and those are absolutely amazing they're not full frame but depending you know going back to the types of genres you shoot you have to just assess like what is a necessity for you what is a mandatory thing that you need out of your camera what don't you need if video isn't a primary thing you do then you don't have to focus on the camera that you know mostly performs for people who do you know, a majority of video work or majority of, you know, photo, if you're looking for a good in between, you know, you just always want to look at sort of the, the brand as a focus and then sort of go from there. So like, I would just, you know, I personally would recommend a Sony like a maybe 6,400 and then, mm -hmm. you know, maybe like a higher end lens. So that's how I'll usually pick. I'll just find a body that's super affordable and then just spend on like a bigger chunk of that budget on a an amazing overall like lens mm -hmm. i i'm always of the opinion that a lot of what gives you the quality you're looking for in your image is the glass um over anything because yeah. you know People love to harp on megapixels and, you know, those types of things. I don't harp on that when it comes to my work. I feel like it's really, really about the glass when it comes down to it sometimes. But a camera is literally only as good as the person that's using it. So that's mm -hmm. also another, <laughs> it's also another factor as well. But yep. I think that everyone should just examine the brand that they want to commit to find the different tiers that the company offers because every company has different tiers of equipment these days you know because gone are the days where you are forced to just buy all pro level gear there's mm -hmm. all different types of levels so yeah i think that's those are the those are the main key factors that people need to look at when they're you know trying to figure out their budget or you know what what's what's worth spending more money on um because chances are one is going to be a lot more expensive than the other, depending on what piece of the kit is more value to you. Yeah. And, and the, the, the guidance that I, that I used to be given when I was first learning photography a couple of years ago. And, uh, what I also tell people these days is the money that you put into your kit, like you sh it should always be weighted, generally speaking, more towards the glass. Right. Because the right. glass and I could, you know, I've got lenses that I've had a decade here and I still love them. Right. They're like, I may not shoot with them all the time, but they're memories. And it's it's 
it's like a, a piece of artwork because it's precision glass and I know I could do cool stuff with it and I can put it on any camera body for the most part that I buy in the future. So it has a, as long as you take care of it, it has a, a long, long lifespan, whereas the camera bodies are great. I have old camera bodies that, you know, I, I charged up my old uh, Lumix G G three gh3 yeah my old lumix gh3 the other day and i was like wow when i got this this was state of the art and i thought this was the best thing ever made there was nothing else that could come out to beat it and now there's the s1 series and you know sony's got magic cameras that that you know take pictures of other dimensions and all that <laughs> so exactly yeah. so when glass I first, when right I first, exactly when i first got into photography my first camera was the the nikon d3000 and at mm -hmm. the time that was just like it was the newest and the hottest camera you know aside from like the d90s i felt like anybody who had a d90 i was like whoa like you're the coolest person ever like i would love a d90 <laughs> yeah. you know it but then you know even now i i still when i just want to have fun i want to shoot digital um i had a d200 and people look at me crazy when I say that, but I'm just like the color that that you get out of out of that sensor. It's one of the older Nikon sensors. You don't see that on the newer models. So that's why I say, like, if you if you really know what you're looking for out of your work, sometimes the older stuff might be for you. It might be a lot better than you think it is. Um, new isn't always necessarily better. And I think when people start to find your footing, um, you know, in the, in this industry, in this community, you begin to realize like, you know what, like a lot of these things don't matter. And a lot mm -hmm. of it lies behind, you know, within the person and then the glass. Secondly, for me, I like to feel like it's the person first and then the glass second and like the camera body last because yeah. I would still, if somebody handed me a Canon 5D Mark one or two, like still to this day, I'd be so happy because that camera's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, we we still we actually still sell a lot of those um we see a lot of those leaving and a lot of them coming in so it's just really interesting you know the way that just the second hand sort of trends work and i think people are finding a lot of this older gear you know still really useful i mean yeah. you know look at all the young kids using you know the rz's and the rb's yeah it's yeah it's yeah. it's just really interesting to see like just the way that people appreciate like older gear yep yeah the ebbs and flows of it yeah i miss i had i used to shoot with a mamiya rb67 uh almost every day and i had a, a 645 that i used to shoot with too mm -hmm. i miss i miss those cameras it's just the theater of loading the film in, in the case and then the clunk <sighs> the and you know all that was just, you know, just magic. All that effort that you had to go through in order to just take a photo, you know. The slap and then, of that shutter is just the most satisfying sound. It's yep. just, it's such a, a yep. slap. It's, like a, it's just, I, it's uh, great. <laughs> yeah, I had one of those. I had a, a, I forget what the model was. I had a Bronica as well. Uh, I had format. a Bronica as well. Mm -hmm. I had the yep. ETR, um, the ETRS. Yeah. Yeah, ETR I love those. SI, yeah. You know, you know, the, the thing, thing about this, this, this occurred to me when you were talking um, was you're talking about like old gear versus new gear and kind of that mindset. And yeah, it's weird because you look at these and I'm, a, I'm in marketing, right? I used to used to work in marketing at Apple and Adobe and these these amazing companies. So I understand the reality distortion field that these companies can present. And you look at that coming out of one of these camera companies, it's like when you see this new version of the camera that you have show up it instantly makes you feel like the camera that you have is trash right it's hot garbage yes. and i don't even want to be seen with this thing anymore you know right. because that new one does everything when the reality is you probably haven't scratched the surface of what the camera that you have can do if you go crack out that manual and go through it you're like oh wow i didn't know i could do that you know but now you're lusting after features that you're probably not going to use on that bigger camera and the, and the reality of all of it is photons or light hasn't changed in what 4.3 billion years you know, <laughs> since, or before exactly. that you know so the earth was around 4.3 billion light has been the same speed the same quality the same physics and these little incremental camera body changes are great and let you do cool things but if you're just in it to master the art of photography 
getting last year's model or even an older vintage model and just going to town with it is not a bad idea, right? Is that is that a good way to think of it, you think? It, it It's a great way to think of it because, you know, again, a lot, a lot of things people, people don't understand that they're barely scratching the surface a lot of times of, of this, you know, super techie gear that's available these days. Like, I know for me, when, you know, I had the, the X100V for like two weeks, I know that I barely scratched the surface of what that camera camera is capable of. And I feel like I did a lot and I still didn't do all of, you know, what the camera can do. Um, and that's why I feel like people just need to, you know, really maximize like, you know, their time with their kit, like just, just, I feel like the more you just take it out, the more you use it, the more you do a little bit of research, even looking at YouTubers, just gaining more insight, you'll start to realize that, you know what, this kit is perfectly fine. I don't need to keep up with all the latest tech. Because a lot of the times, if you if you go and read side-by-side -side reviews, you'll see that there are like two differences between that new model and that old model. And it's usually two differences that you don't even need. Mm -hmm, <laughs> and mm -hmm. you don't you and you don't even use in your existing model. And 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 that's what I've come to terms with because I can't even tell you how many different kits I've had over the years, let alone the last like maybe three. Um, since being at MPB, since MPB makes it so accessible to just swap kits. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like people just need to really, really see what these actual differences are between the kits, because I feel like once you do that research, you'll realize that I don't need to change my camera every year or every couple months or every time there's a new announcement for a camera. You just you just don't mean to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a different mindset. But again, that reality distortion field and that desire to to get the new fresh thing is real, right? It's we we feel it with the phones and you watch the Apple presentation of the new phone that does a couple of things different than your current phone, but you still feel the gravity. I got to have it. I got to have that new I, phone, right? I, I feel like it also comes with, you know, aging a little bit as you get yeah. older and you you begin to you you start to become a lot more secure in the work you do you're you're very confident you know in in sort of like your your take and you know your your place in in the photo world and you start to realize that i don't need any of that stuff that like this this is it for me you 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 begin to realize what is for you and what's not for you and a lot of these releases just become irrelevant and like you said light hasn't changed in billions of years <laughs> yeah yeah it hasn't it hasn't you know we have you know and our our tastes and you know the other the other side of that yes that's true the physics haven't changed but the zeitgeist of of you know the culture evolves over time and changes from year to year month to month sometimes and what's acceptable changes what's not acceptable what's considered on the edge is different so the creative part of stuff is where the fun is i think but the the tools to get there are relatively consistent right the light it's you know all that stuff is consistent it's you as the artist and the storyteller that is the variable in all this so yeah crazy stuff um so i'm gonna throw a zinger at you for to wrap this up you ready for this uh -oh. <laughs> so, yes i am okay i put you on the hot seat who makes the best cameras where's my list here nikon uh -oh. canny canon uh sony canny that's a good name for a cam uh <laughs> nikon canon sony fujifilm uh, Panasonic with Lumix or Rico or another one that I may have missed. Who makes the best camera? Where should I, my money be going when I go to mpb.com and I'm trading stuff in? Which one should I be buying? So this is a tricky one because I am I am very unbiased because I, I think that all of these brands are amazing in their own right. Yep. However, I will solely base this response on what I have experience with and what I know the brand to be, and it's going to be Canon. Oh, okay. Why? Why Canon? Canon, I feel like was at the forefront of really 
evolving what a DSLR is capable of. Um, you know, that when that 5D made its appearance onto the market 15 years ago, no one's seen anything like that. And then, you know, you had the Mark II come about and that was just the biggest phenomenon ever because people found a camera that not only performs on a superior level when it comes to stills and, you know, just photo, but it also did video extremely well. Yep. And the accessibility of, you know, the array of different lenses that, that you have, but then that L glass, that amazing, beautiful red ring around the barrel of the lens. Like you just, you just can't go wrong with that, with that glass. And it's, and it's a huge part of the reason why a lot of that older glass, even the very first versions of like, you know, certain Canon Prime L lenses, they're still really expensive. Even all of these years later, like maybe these lenses have been around for over 15 years and they're still hundreds of dollars, some of them even a thousand. And it's not even the newer versions of these lenses, it's the same glass that Canon's been producing for all of these years. So I just feel like they cover so many different like levels of photography you know mm -hmm. between the rebel series you know the 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 ha um the crop sensor cameras the full frame cameras they they have great bodies consistently throughout all their levels of you know like budgeted cameras all yeah. of them perform well there there are you know rebel cameras that are amazing there are the crop sensors that are amazing, like the 7D Mark II, amazing. It's it's phenomenal. And the fact that they have affordable full-frame cameras, if people are looking to get into full-frame photography so they can expand their lenses, it's just mm -hmm. it's like you can't beat it. And then the weather ceiling, the best. Yeah, yeah, the best. yeah. I've been, in, I've been in snowstorms with uh with my cameras, and it's and never failed me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's that's the other thing, right? It's the subjectivity of the camera selection, because if, if you're in that mode and you're about to buy a camera, um, it could be overwhelming, right? And it depends yeah. on who you ask, because I could ask Tahiti, which camera, you know, who makes the best cameras or which one you suggest, and it could skew towards Canon. I talked to another friend just a couple of days ago, who's a diehard 30 year wedding shooter. And Nikon all the way. It's got to be Nikon or nothing, right? And then I talked to Lumix people, and of course, it's got to be Lumix, and here's why. <laughs> so, you know, there's no, it's almost like religion. There's no one, it depends on who you ask, right? But you the know, responses. If, if, I, if I heavily got back into shooting digital photography full time, easily I would, I would go to Fujifilm. I, mm. I would. Um, I think what Fuji is doing with mirrorless cameras is phenomenal. I think that they what have- What do you mean? What, do, what are they doing that's phenomenal? Like, what is that? Put a box around that. What's phenomenal? Like, is it color, the color science? Because I hear that a lot from people that shoot Fuji, that they just swear by the color science. Or is it, is it something else? The it's the color science, easily. Mm. Um, and just also that classic look. Um, I feel like they they made they didn't lose their identity with moving over into newer technology and I love that. I love that their cameras look like traditional film SLR cameras. I if 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 I had to walk around with a digital camera, I would want it to look like that. I would mm -hmm. want it to look like a Fuji camera. And mm -hmm. then even just aside from that, the the colors that the camera produces are gorgeous and then they have these built-in presets that i swear by i think it's genius and the fact that like one of the reasons why i advocate so heavily for the x100v is because they have the the option to make your own presets in camera that you can use and they um they're a guide that will allow you to basically recreate your favorite film stocks and have your images look like that. And I just think that is absolutely incredible.
Wow. Wow. It's so much, so much. See, you got me excited. Now I'm going to be, I'm going to have Fuji up in a tab in a minute here. So, uh, TD, I, I know we ran a little bit long, but this is a, this has been a fascinating conversation. Thanks for sticking in there with me. Um, we didn't talk a lot about you and your work and the kind of things that you're working on. Give us a glimpse into the, the world of Tahiti. You gave us a, a kind of a peek in that you've, you do a lot of film work and we heard about some, some medium format film cameras that you might have on the shelf there what's what's going on in your world in my world everything revolves around film everything oh. is about film for me um i just think that it's an amazing medium it allows you to the, the biggest reason i've gravitated to film being my primary way of creating images it's because i like the slow pace i like framing every single shot that i get whether it's 16 shots six four five or ten shots um doing six seven each shot is methodical it's you know you, you don't it, have this continuous shutter speed it's intentional it's very intentional yeah. and it, it shows in the work and that's the biggest reason why like i i made that transition over the years to shooting primarily film because i'm just like i don't have to rush anymore you know, the my subject, you know, isn't going anywhere. It, it's mainly why I shoot portraiture, but I just think it's it's the preferred and perfect medium if you're if shooting people is your preferred, you know, genre of photography. Love it. All right, Tahiti, let's let's wrap up with just some this the call to action stuff. So if people want to look at the work that you're doing uh and you know maybe go check out the 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 flow over at mpb.com because now they're like okay i can get i can liquidate this old camera i have and get this other camera this fuji x100v now that i want um where where should they go for all this to follow you and to follow mpb and also what's next for you and mpb so if people want to buy, sell, and trade with us, um, they can visit our website. Um, we give instant quotes, so we make the process very, very seamless, very easy. Um, you can also get um, your gear sent into us. We cover the shipping label, so you know we we just try to make sure that um, you know people are trading in and getting an experience that is as simple and easy as possible. Um, people should be following us on Instagram to check out all of the cool content me and my team are always working very hard on. Um, what people can expect is it's just a lot more from us, just in general. Um, you know, a lot more interviews, a lot more content being created, uh, a lot of unique interviews, a lot of showcasing of our staff, because like I said, our staff are, um, you know, we're filled with a lot of creatives. So yeah, I think I think those are the things to really look out for for MPB, especially if you're a creative and you're a fellow photographer and you know, a lot of these things are important to you if you just wanna just follow along to see, you know, what's coming in and out of our doors, um, you know, or just to see, you know, what we have to offer in terms of, you know, knowledgeable, you know, advice and and you know, review, or if you want to see more reviews from me about cameras, like, yeah. you, know, you, should, you should definitely be following MPB on all of our platforms. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, Pinterest, TikTok. We're everywhere. Oh, you're on all those. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yes, and you, you're the person that's, that's controlling all that and making sure that, that MPB is ubiquitous on all those social networks, right? Exactly. You're probably talking to me if you're reaching out to us on any of these platforms. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. And what about you, Tahiti? What's next for you? What, uh, you know, outside of MPB, what does your shooting, your shooting world look like? From, I do a lot of portrait work. If, if you didn't hear me talk about that <laughs> for the last, mm -hmm. like, I don't know how many minutes. Um, I do a lot of portrait work. Um, I am currently working on a new project that is to be named and to be seen very soon. Um, uh, 
and yeah, if people want to take a look at my work, I have Instagram, it's Tahiti Abdul on IG. And then uh, I also have a website, which is also Tahiti Abdul. I'm pretty consistent when it comes to being able to find me on all platforms. I, I use the same name across all socials. But um, yeah, uh, if anybody ever wants to just talk film, I'm a big film nerd. So I'm always open to having those types of discussions. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, since you're a film nerd, we'll close it with, since I asked you about the best camera manufacturer, what's the best film stock uh, that, that you're shooting with? And I, I know it could depend, right? Depending on what you're <laughs> shooting, but you know, best film brand and film stock. Best film brand is Ilford. Ilford. Look at that. I love Ilford. Yeah. Back in the day, I used to print, shoot Ilford and print Ilford on Ilford paper. I think Ilford is amazing. They offer such a huge variety of black and white film. Oh, I think there's something for everybody when it comes to Ilford and it's pretty affordable compared to our lovely friends Kodak, which is my favorite color film stock. Um, not a, not a Fuji film fan when it comes to actual film. Oh, Uh, interesting. I'm I'm more of a warmer side of film than than what Fuji offers. Fuji tends to be more in the green and blues, mm-hmm. and I'm more of like the you know the warm toned like browns and like very slight greens and things like that. But Portrait 160 is my favorite C41 film. Interesting, I love it. Okay, I got to throw it out there before we close this off. I'm putting you on the spot. You have to come back on the podcast and do an episode all about film photography and your experiences and your all that stuff. You down for that? That would make me so happy. (laughs) All right. Look for that invite in your inbox soon. (laughs) Oh, I will. I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) All right. All right. Tahiti Abdul, thank you for coming on. I appreciate you. Congratulations on all the stuff that you're working on and keep crushing it over at MPB. It's an amazing company. And yeah, and I I honestly, I don't take a lot of sponsors on this week in photo. And as those, as you guys know, um, I was excited to to partner and do this sponsorship because I truly believe in the company and also it's an invaluable service that you guys are providing to photographers, especially now, right? With the, the, the current climate that we're in is just lots of things are changing. So why not change your gear? Right? So absolutely. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I, even aside from just being an MPB employee, I was a customer before that, but I've been in this company for three years and I have several more to go. And yeah, I, I advocate for the brand as well as, you know, work for them. So Love it's it. very yeah. happy. It's very fulfilling. Yep. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on. And we'll talk in our next episode with, to, be, to be determined when the time is. But hopefully within the next month or so, you and I will sit down and talk film. This is Twitter.